opening your Bibles to Isaiah 46, I want to remind you we have a business meeting scheduled for this coming Wednesday. Please keep that in mind. One thing that's really profound is this. God has allotted 24 hours each day for each one of us. <laughs> Simple as that. Well, that's where our stewardship begins, keeping that in mind. However, because we are products of a fast-paced society, we tend to think and act as though God has shortchanged us when it comes to time. It is not uncommon to hear phrases like this, there just isn't enough time in a day to do everything I need to do. Or, I just don't know where time goes. Or, I'll try to find time to help an individual, but I'm hard-pressed for my time at this present moment. And so, we could go on, but these are statements we hear and probably make. In our day, when many people meet themselves coming and going, most people feel pushed for time. The feeling is that there simply isn't enough hours in a day. Life's demands say I'm far too busy. Now, in light of that thinking as we put it into our minds, I'm sure and as we think about last week's message on our stewardship relating to money, we may have, some may have found it difficult to digest or want to digest. My guess is the stewardship of time, which we want to consider today, will be more difficult to receive. And I trust that as we look at it today, we'll see what is based upon the Word of God, and the question is, Will we be like the Bereans in Acts 17 who receive the word with all readiness of mind? God, show me your word, and I'll do it. So today we want to consider what we would call my stewardship of time. But notice it's number one. We aren't going to finish today, and you'll see why as we go along, because of what's in the background. And the more I studied this, the more frustrated I got, and probably as we go through it, the more frustrated you will get. And that will happen if you're thinking. <laughs> you'll see what I mean. So we begin by looking at the background of time. We often refer to events taking place before creation as eternity past. Well, that happened in eternity past, okay? But there's a problem here. Eternity means, by definition, it has always been, period. And so by adding the phrase eternity past, that can't be. If something has always been, and it's eternal, and when we add terms relating to time into eternity, 
it doesn't work. And we'll show you more as we go along. The same thing relates to the other phrase we may use. Well, when we get to heaven, that's eternity future. But eternity has no time. Now, we need to keep that in mind as we move forth this morning. Because I think we need to get this foundation to then understand time. Now, let's do something else. We add God to eternity. We have eternity, and I'm going to probably speak in reference to time because we want to understand eternity. And it's, well, anyway, you'll see. So, if eternal is forever, see, got it? God enters the picture. Now, we know in the scriptures that God is eternal. When did he come into existence? Well, if God is eternal, by definition, he's always been, right? See, you, you begin to see the picture. Eternity, God. But as we think about it again, this type of thinking blows our minds because we really only think in the terms of eternity, uh, eternity using terms of time. In eternity, this. <coughs> I'm looking forward to spend time with God in eternity. Time you, you, you see it. I want you to get frustrated like I am because those are contradictory thoughts. But yeah, they're both real. When I was a kid, probably seven, eight years old, my philosophical mind, my brother always read these scientific books and kept me up at night. We shared the same bedroom. And when I was a kid, we got talking about the universe. And, he, and I, he said it goes on forever. And I says, it can't go on forever. I says, there, I says, I said, there has to be a wall out there. Eternal thing, there, the universe can only go so far. Then there has to be a wall. He says, okay. Now tell me this, what's on the other side of the wall? Do you begin to see the frustration when we talk eternity? Now, why is it so hard to think of eternal things? Well, because we're locked into time. That's where we are. That's where we live. We live in time. But we begin with eternity. Now, I want to look next at God, time, and his actions, keeping in mind the eternal. And as the eternal one, God is not limited by time. He is the sovereign one over time and eternity. Everything that takes place in his realm, he is sovereign of. Eternal God, eternity, and he's God. Now, however, knowing that God relates to time, and we know he does, he relates to it differently than we do. And it helps us to remember that he acts at the proper time. 
God has chosen with his creation to function with his creation in what we call time. And we need to pray knowing that God is not slow, but always acts at just the right moment in time. See, God's working with his creation is in the boundaries of what we call time. Now, with that in mind, in Isaiah 46, I'd ask you to follow as I read verses 8 through 11. Remember this, the prophet writes. Remember this and show yourselves, men. Recall to mind, O you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things that are not yet not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Notice, ancient things of old, but he's talking to people who live in time. Verse 11. And what is he going to do? He's going to call a bird of prey from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. God has his program from eternity, and some things are going to happen in time. In verse 11, for example, calling a bird of prey from the east. I think the prophet has reference to the time when Elijah was at the brook Cherith being fed by ravens. And most commentators think the man who's called from a far country is probably Cyrus at the end of the... Um, captivity. See, God is in control. He's working in time now because that's where we are. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Now, we're liable to end up getting a headache <laughs> as we try to comprehend certain things. Notice Ephesians 1, in fact, Brother Taylor spoke from this passage last week, but I want to zero in on just a little element of it. But following Ephesians 1, beginning at verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Now he's going to go on and describe them. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Now, as we think in this passage, again, tied with eternity, I want you to notice, after he talks about spiritual blessings in verse 3, verse 4, he says this, just as he has chose us, referring to the church, he's referring to believers, just as he chose us in him, when? Before the foundation of the world. Now, he's talking here about th those who are saved, they're called the elect. Now, 
when did he make that decision who he was going to save? Well, we think of time. Now look at He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That means before creation. So let me ask you this question. Was it a week before? Was it a year before? Was it a thousand years? See, we begin again to think in time. And all we are being told here is that God made that decision before creation. Now, I want you to think a little deeper on this. In Malachi chapter 3, we read this. I am the Lord, I do not change. I do not change. His program, everything God is, everything God does, has always been. Now let's think about this choosing for a moment. Let's assume, as some people say, God looked into the future, saw who would believe, and so he elected them. There are people who believe that, okay? Now, what does that mean? That means God looked into the future, and he learned something. And based upon what man was going to do, he learned it. Wow. Therefore, when he learned it, he made a decision. Whenever that was in eternity. That would mean God changes. He changes his uh, knowledge. He changes his decision upon what we can't see that. God is eternal. He has made the decision, and it's final. When? We don't know. That isn't the key. We know that it happened, that God made his choice in eternity. Do we understand it? No. But he doesn't change. His program has always been. And if we went back another hundred billion zillion miles or time, I don't know. Do you see how frustrating it is to try to think eternal? Well, as I was looking at this and thought, boy, the more I studied, the more I thought, we got to look at this to understand time. <sighs> okay, so let's look at the source of time now. Let's get where we live. Would you turn, please, to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Now, we're familiar with verse 1. It simply says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning. In the beginning of what? Well, as we reflect, it includes making the earth, the universe, and what follows as described in Genesis 1. And notice the word beginning. The only meaning in the context would be wrapped up in time. Time has begun. And God is going to deal with his creation from that point in the realm of time. There was no time, but for when he made it, now we're going to work in time 
in the heavens and the earth. Comprehend it? <laughs> it blows my mind trying to comprehend it. But then in Genesis 1, we have the word day. Look at verse 5. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. He gave parameters of his definition of a day, evening and morning. Simply put, a 24-hour segment. Look at verse 13. So the evening and the morning were the third day, and on we could go looking. But these are described as days as we would understand them. Time. We're now living in time. The eternal God is making his creation, and it's in time. Go to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. And look at verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, God's determined time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Do you see what we have here? Time is now underway. You and I function in the realm of time eternal, but now a segment called time. God knows the exact time. God is now working in the realm of time with his creation. We live in time. We cannot ignore the idea of time. I want to share a few other passages that relates to God and to his timing here. Look at Psalm 90. It says, For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. A thousand years with God is but a small segment. God is God. He's not confined to time. That's what we're told here. Don't put God in our mold. Or Acts 15, known to God from eternity are all his works. God is sovereign. All of his works are known to God from eternity. He doesn't change. He's eternal. Or 2 Peter chapter 3, but beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, thousand years as a one day. You and I work in the realm of time. Some of you were late this morning. Some of you were early this morning. Those are two terms relating to time. We've, but now with God, God's program is an eternal program that works out according to his will. So what do we conclude? God does not function in the realm of time except where man is concerned. For he's eternal. His plan for his creation is where we exist. And it exists for us. And notice in light of that, man's attitude about time. 
For we read in Romans 1, for since the creation of the world, Genesis, so on, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they're without excuse. He's referring to unsaved man, and he says there's a message out there telling us about God. We can know God about him by looking at certain things. I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you, I want you to be honest, raise your hand, have ever made a mountain? Good, you're honest. Um, what would it take to make a mountain? Wisdom, power, resources? And you can begin to look at creation. You look at the stars at night if you live out in the country, and you see all those stars. God knows them by name. He put them there. He's the eternal, immutable God. Unsaved men have no excuse for not knowing him because he's getting with his witness in creation. God has given us time to look at him. See, the real goal is God. Now, let's look at eternal life and salvation. Would you please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3? John chapter 3. Two familiar verses to us. John 3, I want you to notice, first of all, verse 15. Now, remember, we saw in Ephesians, God chose individuals to be saved before time. Salvation is given us, look at verse 15 now, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. When does it become part of my life? When I believe. And at that point, I have what's called eternal life. Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. A person who believes, it says here, has everlasting life. That statement, everlasting life, is the same word from the previous verse, eternal life. We think of reference to time. The day I got saved, I got eternal life. But if it's eternal, <laughs> wow. But it's got time. It starts at a point. It's everlasting. See, trying to understand all that is involved in eternal life begins to blow our minds. Because we only think in the reference of time. In John twenty or John ten, we read this: "I give them eternal life; they shall never perish; neither shall any man snatch them out of my hand." We who are believers have eternal life, and it will never be lost. Oh, as we wrestle with that, God in his program, has given me eternal life. 
life that will go on through the ages, throughout, I'm going to say it, throughout eternal time. Doesn't work, but you get the picture. But I want you to see something else besides eternal life and salvation. I want you to see something about eternal blessings. And this is found in the New Testament. Again, something to think about. In, for example, in 2 Corinthians 4, we read this. For our light affliction, whatever that affliction is, Paul says is light. Are you going through an affliction? As you get older, you find different parts of your body don't function. Um, at least that's what I've been told. I was telling somebody today, I've never met anybody who's old anyway. But things change. Afflictions happen. Car accidents. Houses burning. We were out in Yosemite a couple a month ago. Now it's closed because of fires. That's an affliction in certain ways. And on we can go with affliction. A light affliction, which is but for a moment anyway, is working for us. Look at now, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That affliction that we're going through in time takes us into an eternal weight of glory. Because of it, we're going to have something a little more special. Understand it? No. Or 2 Corinthians 5. For we know that if our earthly house, this body, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. An eternal body. <laughs> we think in time, don't we? Would you turn to 1 Peter chapter 5? <coughs> 1 Peter chapter 5. See, I'm trying to get in our minds this concept of time that God has given us that in turn, as we move forward to next week, we'll understand time. Look at 1 Peter 5, beginning at verse 10. 1 Peter 5, verse 10. But may the God of all grace, who called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, Perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. But notice here. He's called us to eternal glory, but that road has difficulties. But oh, how thankful we are for what God does in our lives. Because that eternal glory that he talks about here is referring to the presence of God. God in all his splendor. But first, to get there are sufferings. And the hope is, as you see, outweighs the suffering. Yes, I'm going through this, but one day I'll breathe my last and I'll be with him forever and ever and ever and ever. 
all of a sudden what I'm going through just isn't so bad if we get an eternal perspective. The hope, as you see, outweighs the suffering. But now the hope to come, we, we see it perfect, established, strengthened, settling. If you live there, it's going to be an exciting life. Our blessings are tied to the person of God. And oh, how he talks about him as we move into eternity. But Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he said this, now to king, to, referring to Christ, now to the king eternal and mortal. And he's going to bring glory to him who's existed forever. But yet he left heaven in all the glory of the presence of God to come to earth, to spend some time here, a time in God's program where at the end of that time he is going to die. But it's said of Jesus that he looked past the cross for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross and is now set down at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Glory. That's where we're heading, to be with Christ. It all ties to eternal. And that is what causes us to say, wow, when we think about God and his program and our Savior. I don't understand it all. In fact, the more I read it, like the guy said, the more I know I know, the less I know I know. And isn't that the way we are when it comes to eternal things? Now, having spent time on the eternal, more than I really planned as I worked it out, and got moving through the scriptures, it got excited to see the eternal that is set before us as it helps us to understand more about time. And so, Lord willing, we'll look at that next week. But we're not done. I have four questions I want to ask you. And then I want to look at a couple passages in the book of Revelation. But question number one, what is our understanding of God's program? Let's answer that. Let's think about it. We find ourselves living in time as finite creatures trying to understand God's program is difficult. And let me share a verse with you that really ought to help our thinking. That's in Ecclesiastes 3. It says, He has made everything beautiful in its time and He has put Look at this now. Eternity in their hearts. Except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Let me read it again. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. Except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Can't do it. But think of who our God is. He's the eternal, immutable God. He doesn't change. And yet he's seen fit to work in time 
that we would have God's working in our hearts. What he's saying is a lot about God is beyond our understanding. But let's, let me ask you another question. What is more important in our thinking? Things eternal or temporal? Often we divide them. We tie eternal things of God to God, eternal God, and we take temporal things and tie it to me and what's important in this life. And we separate the two. Think about it again. What's more important when we begin to think? The third question. What takes more of our time, eternal things or temporal things? And we'll get into this more next week. But when you get up in the morning and move through the day, what governs your actions and your thought life? What does? Like I said, we'll focus more on this next week. But something is going to cause us to move forth through the day. What is it going to be? Does it tie to the eternal or the temporal? Because it will be one or the other. It will be one or the other. And then the last question. Are you ready to enter eternity? And by that I mean what awaits you when you leave a life regulated by time? Let me illustrate it. Go to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. I want to look at two pictures of eternity here. The first one is in Revelation 20. Follow as I begin reading at verse 10. It says, The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and pro false prophets are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That means eternal. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for him. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. When a person dies, they're going to live again, at least to stand before him. Books were opened, and another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Here we find a judgment of eternity. Don't get this new thought in your mind that hell is but a few years and then it's over. Uh-uh. If hell and or if heaven is eternal, so is judgment. Go to chapter 22. I want to look at one other thing. Revelation 22 Look at verse 5. Talking of heaven. Talking about believers. There shall be no night there. 
They need no lamp nor light to the sun. The Lord God gives them light. They shall reign forever and ever. Different picture, a different hope, a different blessing. That's for believers. Each one of us is heading to one of those two places for eternity. And where, as people say, where we spend eternity will be determined in time. How's your relationship to God? If you don't know him, might you call upon him even now that you might know the eternal God, have an eternal hope, lest you have an eternal fear. Let's pray. Lord, we've looked at a lot this morning. Even those difficulties of putting thoughts together. We just pray that you might help us, Lord, to, to realize eternity is real. We may not understand everything about God and about his program. But Lord, we do know one thing you've done right. And help us to look at our hearts in light of eternity as we live in time and might it be for your glory. Guide us now as we dismiss in Jesus' name.